What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. I'm Patrick flying solo the golden state warriors 2022-23 season is now officially over and it was kind of a wild ride the warriors did not end up where we all thought they would but the question is as the defending champs why who or what is to blame for this warriors pretty much epic collapse of a season. I don't know. Let's look at some candidates. Is it Draymond Green for punching Jordan Poole in training camp at the beginning of the season? That definitely was not a good thing. It certainly set a strange tone for the team. And I remember when I first heard the news, it was more like, oh, well, thank God there's no video of it out there. And then the next day when I wake up, there's video It was plastered all over the place, creating a massive distraction. Draymond, he lost his standing a bit in the locker room, and who knows how it affected Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole is traditionally very, very aloof when it comes to the media, cagey when it comes to serious or probing questions. Who knows? Certainly, if we're talking about karma or the basketball gods, (laughs) that is certainly not a way to start off a season, especially after all those good vibes of the summer and the preseason. Think back to the trip to Japan, Jordan Poole and Andrew Wiggins playing with little furry hedgehogs and stuff like that. Little did we know that a few days later, Jordan Poole would be getting smacked and all of a sudden the Warriors would be outdoing the Boston Celtics in terms of preseason issues. Speaking of Jordan Poole, he got a fat contract after that. And at the time, it made sense. Tyler Hero, who is in Jordan Poole's draft class, got a contract right before that. And the idea was, hey, lock up Jordan Poole because if he improves, he's going to be more expensive come the offseason. And you assume that he would have either stayed the same or improved. Odds of him getting worse were very, very low. But guess what? He got worse. Jordan Poole had to play a lot because Steph was injured often and Clay, for a large part of the season, was not playing back to backs. So he was yo yoed between 
the starting lineup, and the bench. He was wild all season long. Other teams predicted and knew his moves. He dribbled off of his feet, off of his leg, off of his chest, stumbled, fell out of bounds, dribbled out of bounds, fell down on every single layup you can imagine, and never really showed that he was making a leap that we had all expected. And his decision-making all season long was honestly pretty subpar. He would take ridiculous threes. He would take heat check threes. He would take deep threes early in the shot clock. Is it on him? Clay Thompson? He also had a very slow start to the season, and we all love Clay Thompson. And him just coming back from the ACL and Achilles injuries is always going to be a major, major miracle. And he proved to people that he can still shoot with the best of them, led the league in three-pointers made, but he started slow. He didn't play basketball during the offseason, which I understand, psychological block, mental block of getting hurt during a pickup game. And he was slowly trying to get his legs back, get his form back, get his shot back. He was in his feelings a lot. And because we've all publicly witnessed his journey, it was like, okay, we were all very protective of Clay, but he did have the tendency to hunt his own shot, shoot himself and the team out of games and constantly, constantly trying to prove he was still who he was before the injuries. Is it James Wiseman's fault for being James Wiseman? An easy target for a lot of guys. He started the season off with high expectations, but he did not meet them. But then again, he just became the scapegoat for so many people. It wasn't the vets who were slow to get into form. It wasn't Jordan Poole who was shooting poorly. It wasn't the fact that one of the vets who was signed to lead the second unit, Dante DiVincenzo, was injured for the first few weeks of the season, adding more instability to an already unstable team. James Wiseman got hurt quite a bit. He's had the most star-crossed season of any young player I've seen in a really, really long time. Played three games in college, got screwed by the NCAA, was not able to work out for teams or train or play and hone his skills, got drafted by the Warriors, got COVID, hurt his wrist. <laughs> <laughs> and then tore his meniscus and he suffered setback after setback. And imagine, imagine if he was able to come back in the 2021-22 season, right? The title season. He would have had less pressure with other vets on the team. And he would have probably contributed in somehow, some way without this weight on his shoulder and without all these people pointing at him and being naysayers and just kind of knocking him for just existing, <laughs> to be honest. Is it his fault? You know, he came back, went to the G League, and when Steph went out with his shoulder injury, James Wiseman came back, he got some playing time, and he was starting to look good, but then he hurt his ankle. And after that, you never saw Wiseman again, never, even when he came back. And is that Steve Kerr's fault? If he was willing to play the young guys a little bit more, Granted, that opening 0-5 road trip really blew up some plans for the season where they were going to play a lot of the young guys. But as the season went on, the idea that you keep Jonathan Kaminga, Moses Moody, James Wiseman on really, really short leashes, and then <laughs> you give someone like Jordan Poole carte blanche to just go out there and do whatever, turn the ball over, take bad shots, play no defense. And at a certain point, the Warriors were still losing. 
is it Steve Kerr's fault that he didn't play Moses Moody instead of Anthony Lamb or Ty Jerome? Barely played him in the regular season and then gave him a lot of minutes in the playoffs? Is it Steve Kerr's fault that Jonathan Kaminga blossomed during the regular season as a real standout, uniquely talented player? And then Steve Kerr benched him in the playoffs? Responsibility goes both ways for that, but still. And then James Wiseman just never getting another shot to prove what he could do. And even if you did want to trade him, never gave him a shot to improve his trade value. And then by the time he got moved, it was a desperation move and you pretty much got pennies, maybe dimes on the dollar. But then is that also Steph Curry and Draymond Green's fault for not being better mentoring some of these young kids? And then also in terms of Wiseman, clearly Steph wanted Draymond to stick around. Any extra salary like Wiseman's made that reality more difficult in terms of the salary cap and luxury taxes. And that's a contributor to that as well. And then overall, what about a lack of accountability? If we're talking about Draymond punching pool, the vets voted for Draymond not to be suspended because he would have missed the first game and they wanted him to be there on ring night. And honestly, I was like, they're taking care of it. It's their business. But what kind of tone did that set? And then- Clay Thompson jacking up threes and everybody keeps saying like, let Clay be Clay. And then you get him into the postseason and he has some off games where he just keeps shooting it, shooting it, shooting it. And yes, he can shoot himself out of it. But lately this season, when you know he's off, he is off. So there's no one reining that in when someone's trying to play hero ball. And then Jordan Poole. I mean, let's be honest. If a guy is allowed to play as inconsistently, as out of control as he is, and allowed to play porous matador defense during the regular season, well, <laughs> what do you expect him to do in the postseason? Play wildly and play porous matador defense. And then you discover he's unplayable because you haven't made him play defense or made him learn how to play defense. And you sit him and he pouts. Whose fault is that? But back it up even further. Is it Joe Lacob's fault for wanting to do the quote unquote two timeline thing? I'll be honest. I was on board for this youth movement. But at the end of the day, if you're Joe Lacob, yeah, you want to see what James Wiseman can bring you after he's finally healthy. The idea that, hey, the Warriors, they didn't resign. Gary Payton II, they didn't resign Otto Porter Jr. They didn't resign Nemanja Bielitsa, three guys who were critical for them in their finals run beating the Celtics. But let's be honest, Gary Payton II would not have played for the Warriors for a really, really long time because of his core abdominal injury. And then Otto Porter Jr., he signed with the Warriors for pretty cheap that season because he was on a make good contract. He was trying to rehabilitate his value because he's injury prone. And guess what? He got hurt playing for the Raptors. Imagine if the Warriors had gone all in on him and he got hurt. Yes, there's no saying that he would have gotten hurt with the Warriors, but there's a possibility, right? That's real, especially when you're playing the odds. Should the Warriors have not maybe drafted Patrick Baldwin Jr. and Ryan Rollins? Should they have actually traded those picks or tried to get just at least one rotation veteran, just in case the young guys weren't ready. Maybe. I like Baldwin a lot. I like Rollins. I like what I've seen from him so far in the G League, but you already have a lot of young dudes in the stable. So why keep it going like that? Do you blame Bob Myers, Steve Kerr, whomever else for bringing Andre Iguodala back, a guy who you knew wasn't going to play? 
a guy who was going to take up a roster spot. Again, I was all for it because I thought it was all going to work out. But in hindsight, maybe that's a bad idea. There was nobody else to put in that spot. And once Andre Godala hurt his wrist, it was pretty clear that it would take a long Warriors run for him to ever put on a uniform again. And although the Warriors almost made it, he ends his career in street clothes. And there was a lot of attention just paid overall to the young Warriors players as if it's all their fault (laughs) this has happened, as if it is their fault for being so young. But let's look at some of the vets. A lot of times it seemed like they didn't take this season seriously, that they would not be able to close games, that sometimes they walked into these arenas versus lesser teams and assumed that their presence, their aura would get them the W right off the bat automatically. Yes, the regular season is just the regular season and the playoffs are what matter. But if you don't take the regular season seriously, the game has a funny way of not taking you seriously once it really matters. And those bad habits, those questions, those issues, they manifested themselves at just the wrong time. At the end of the day, all these things contributed to the Warriors' downfall, plain and simple. The overall weight of these things is what dragged them all down. It's not so much one thing here, one thing there. A lot of this stuff is interconnected, but the fact that everyone's expectations for this team were to get to the finals again, to have fallen off the way they did, is a clear disappointment to all of us. But I don't think the Warriors are done. As long as you have Steph Curry, and you have pieces you can move, and an owner who is willing to pay and win, then I think you always have a chance. And going into the offseason, that's what I find most intriguing. Change is fascinating. Therefore, we're going to see who gets moved, who sticks around, who's gone. And I'm here for all of it. Who or what do you think is most to blame for this past Warriors season. All right. Well, that is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick E. Pino or at Oakland Warriors. Check out our YouTube channel where you can watch this episode, youtube.com slash Oakland Warriors. Check us out at oaklandwarriors.com and be sure to tell your fellow Warrior fan friends to tune in and listen. The Oakland Warriors podcast is produced by National Folk Society. And if you're so inclined, please do leave us a five-star rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And if you want to leave us a nice review, saying good stuff about the show on Apple Podcasts, that would be hugely, hugely appreciated and it would be very, very helpful. Thanks. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time and go Dubs.